It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. I want to pull like a whistle. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blue, I'm on the net. Girl, she went shots for the team. I was in high school dreams. Now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean. Coach all these girls to a ring. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Locked On Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Troy Halliburton. And joins me on the other line, a very special friend of the program, my guy, Armand Lee. How you doing today, Armand? Hey, man, what's going on, Troy, man? You you had a string of really, really dope shows, so you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to hope I can continue the the, the good trend, you know what I'm saying? Nah, man, hey, look, look, man, You you the trend is going upwards when anytime yeah. we, we bring you onto the podcast, man, like I said, man, you, you've always been one of my podcast inspirations, so hey, anytime wife. I can bring the quarterly report and locked on with this merger hey. together, hey, man, we, we got to do that. <laughs> hey, why not? Why not? You know what I'm saying? Exactly, and it's even better because you know I'm I'm uh, still in Capital One Arena right now, and I'm talking to you remotely. But uh, it, it's it's a good feeling to still be in the arena after a uh, big Washington Wizards win, uh, one ten to one hundred six over the Brooklyn Nets, and in very dramatic fashion, I have to say, uh, the Wizards uh, had uh, an eighteen point lead in the in the first half, and the Nets uh, came storming back, and and classic. Uh, so Wizards fashion, but the Wizards were able to pull it out in the end uh, pretty much based on a uh, a nice Jerome Robinson three-pointer and some uh, free throws from him. So he scored the last five points for the Wizards to, to close out the game. Uh, what, what did you think about the ending of the game? Uh, specifically, what did you think about Bradley Bill, the team star who's you know coming off of back-to-back 50-point games, uh, making the correct basketball play and and passing it to a wide open Robinson to hit that game winning shot. Yeah, you know, um, you know, you and Oz did a really dope job on your last episode, kind of breaking down Bradley Bill and how you know scoring the ball. There's nothing you can really say about him. You know what I mean? Like the brother can score on all phases, all three levels, and the game comes easy. Like the best players in the league, they make the game easy for their teammates you know what i'm saying like you can see brad play and like he hits the euro step on the baseline like it's nothing you know what i'm saying like he had like when you're at that level of a player the game just comes to you very easy and i think the 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 fair critiques of his game were that sometimes it was too much of a focus on just you know scoring and tonight what you saw i mean jerome robinson wide open shot in a pressure situation you know what i mean it wasn't like they were tied. They're down one. He takes the three, no hesitation, all net. And, like, when you are that type of player for Brad, and it's a tough situation. We already know what time it is when it comes to the, the roster, the cap restraints, and everything like that. But I think moving forward, especially if we're looking toward next season as well, Brad, the scoring, there are, there is nothing left to prove. You know what I'm saying? We know he can do it and how and just how lethal he is as a scorer. 
what he does as uplifting his teammates and making the game easier for his teammates, that's going to be the true test as just how far this team can go, uh, particularly starting next season. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I think that, you know, this all goes with and, and um, with, with something that we talked about on the last podcast with us was the fact that, you know, Brad, this is his first time being the team leader. And so this is a, a new experience for him to have to, you know, kind of navigate his way through this. And so, you know, there was expected to be some growing pains sure. uh, when it comes to that. And so now, I'm really proud and impressed at the fact that, you know, this is the second game in a row where he made the correct basketball play at the end of the game and, you know, trusted in his teammates. And, you know, and while the result wasn't there, uh, you know, um, in the Milwaukee game when he made that pass to a cutting Rui Hashimura and he got his shot blocked, you know, he, he came back. He could have been discouraged from that. He could have been, like, in his mind, like, man, last time I passed it up, dude got his shot blocked. Like, I'm just going to come back, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jack it up over three dudes. And right, like, right, right. You no, know, he, did, he didn't do that. And so and, I think that that's a big step for him. For sure, man. And, and, and honestly, like, you know, he was 11 for 24 tonight. So when you look at it from just a box score perspective, you're like, eh, maybe not the most efficient game. But if you watch the game, uh, I thought he handled kind of the pace, the flow of the game perfectly. You know what I mean? Like the first half, it was perfect. Got guys involved, moved the ball around, and he didn't need to press because, you know, shots were falling, the intensity was there on the defensive end, and they had a nice little comfortable lead. Brooklyn came back once Bill went to the bench in the end of the third quarter, and then in the fourth you saw him kind of turn on a little bit, right? And um, But still wasn't pressing. You know what I mean? There was only maybe a few possessions where I was like, eh, you do it, try to do it live to Mo. But that's nitpicky stuff. You know what I mean? And when your best player is showing confidence in the team, particularly when you have so many young guys, of course that's only going to do things, that's only going to raise the confidence level, right? So, I mean, there's just really no criticisms that you could have for Brad, like period. Yeah, no, nah, I'm with you because, you know, I like I said, I'm honestly more impressed by Brad's game today where he only had 30 points than I was over his 53-point performance against the Bulls. Like, I felt like he played a more team-oriented game. He didn't play hero ball. He trusted in his teammates. He empowered his teammates to come out and make plays. And I think that that's way more important from a team-building standpoint, from a development standpoint, and from a leadership standpoint for Brad for him to be able to make those plays. And so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm really looking at – I'm impressed by, like, you know, like you said, like if you, if you look at the box score, you know, 11 for 24, like that's not really, you know, you know superstar type of shooting numbers. But, like, if you watch the game, he controlled the pace of the game, and he really came out and, and he played like a guy who, you know, should have been an all-star. Like he played like a star tonight. And he led his team to victory, you know. And, and that's like one of the things that I've been very critical of Brad of over this season is the fact that I felt like too many times that he's come out in games where you know he's clearly the best player on the court, and he hasn't played like that. And so tonight, I felt like you know with, oh. with, with you know Kyrie Irving not being on the uh, not being with the Brooklyn Nets right now, I felt like you know Bradley Bill was by far hands down the best player on the court, and he came out and he backed that up tonight. Without a doubt. And, again, goes back to what we've been saying. You know, the best players always – you know, as someone who's not the biggest on counting stats and PPG and stuff like that, there's a – no matter how you want to define or how you want to um, rank and rate your favorite players or break down who's the best or whatever, 
in my opinion, no matter the metric you may want to use, the best players make the game easier for everybody involved. And, and again, what you and I were talking about, man, as the leadership position being thrust upon him, yeah, there's going to be some growing pains. But the dope thing, if you are a Wizards fan, is that Brad seemingly is adjusting to it on the fly, right? And mm-hmm. after the Chicago game, you, you recalibrate, you play the best team in the league, and you basically will your team to be right there with the league MVP and a record-breaking team. And then you follow up in a in a really big game, considering that you're about to make your West Coast road trip, and dealing with, and I keep on hammering to this point, man, you're dealing with so many young guys. And the intensity that Brad obviously has, I think we're going to talk about the Mike Lee piece a little bit later, Yo, that intensity could break guys because these dudes are all new. Like, outside of Rui, there ain't no top ten guys on this roster, like top ten lottery picks. So these guys are – it could be a fragile, you know, in an intimidating situation. But the fact that he was able to uplift and empower and encourage and still make the game easier for the guys, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're a Wizards fan, again, this is something that you need to be really, really happy about moving forward because Bill – is checking off all the boxes in a really, really kind of um, difficult and trying season for him. But like they say, man, you know, iron sharpens sharpens iron. You know what I'm saying? So you gotta you gotta really be happy with what you're seeing from Brad as he's growing before our eyes. Yeah, that, that's. I mean, he's definitely growing right before our eyes. And this is how I know you're in a professional in the in the uh, podcasting business because <laughs> this is a perfect segue into uh, the next topic uh, that I wanted to go into was that Michael Lee piece, uh, you know, that he wrote earlier in The Athletic, you know, where where he talked about uh, Mad Brad. And so I'm going to take a a quick break right here. And on the other side of the break, I want to talk about some things that uh, Michael Lee wrote in that piece and and, and just kind of dissect, you know, uh, what, what, what exactly all of that means and how Brad can, you know, take that constructive criticism and and use it to to help him going forward. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, now Armand. So we we I, I wanted to dive into this uh, Michael Lee piece because. You know, I felt like I felt like Mike did a great job. You know, for for a guy who you know, uh, shout out to Michael Lee, who was the former uh, uh, Washington Wizards beat reporter for the Washington Post, uh, but then he moved over to Yahoo, and then he moved over to the Athletic, and so he kind of bounces back and forth between. You know, he lives in Philly, but he still has a place in DC, so he bounces. You you you'll see Michael Lee down here at, at uh, Capital One Arena for, you know, a, a good number of, of Wizards games. I'd say he makes it to at least about a third of the games of the year. So he's very familiar. And he's, you know, like I said, he's, he's, he's been around right. the team before. So he's right. in tune. He's tapped into what's going on <laughs> with the team. And so when, when Michael Lee writes that piece about, you know, Mad Brad, I, I felt like that he was very accurate with his assessment of, you know, just talking about how Brad can improve with his leadership and how, 
you know, like how that, that could make for a more conducive winning environment for the Wizards. And so one of the things that I – the biggest paragraph that I uh, thought from that piece was when he talked about how the Wizards are actually one in eight when Brad scores 40 points or more. And so I think that what that tells us is that when you watch a lot of those games, like when, you know, uh, you know there, there was a vast difference between the, the uh, 53 points in Chicago versus the 55 points in Milwaukee. And, yes, they very well could have uh, won that Milwaukee game, but the way that he played in that Chicago game is usually how, you know, a lot of his 40-point scoring outburst games go. And so it, it, it's really not that conducive to winning. And what, what did you feel about Michael Lee's piece and what he talked about, you know, Mad Brad and, 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 and how Brad needs to kind of navigate his way through, you know, not just looking for his own shot, but, you know, uh, bringing his teammates along with him? Yeah, man. So, you know, I have a, a lot of different ideas or opinions about the piece. Um, you know, it was a really well-done piece by Mike Lee, as you stated. And, you know, it's difficult. Again, we've talked about kind of the leadership, um, the task, right? Heavy is the head who carries the throne, right? So he's the leader. He's a franchise player as it stands right now. And this is the first year where he's coming into the start of the season thrust into this position. So, yeah, that's going to be difficult. Obviously, Beal is a competitor, and that's exactly what you want. You want your best players to want to win. You know what I'm saying? You don't, The Wizards have seen what it's like when you have the best player aloof or kind of cavalier. You know what I'm talking about? So the fact that Beal wants to win, that's a good thing. But we also kind of harp on the fact that, yo, this is the first year as his leader. But because John is gone and because the cap is what it is, Beal is also being thrust to be the facilitator as well as the lead scorer, as well as, you know, the clutch guy. And what you saw tonight and what you see from the best players, and I think this is kind of what Mike was touching on, when when Bill goes for the 40 and I'm going to get mine and I'm going I'm to I'm get my buckets or whatever, whatever, the best players in the league adapt their game to whatever the team needs to win. Um, the Wizards' offensive numbers have dropped a bit, but it's still a top half. I want to say it's like 13 to 12 offensive teams in this league. Um, so they don't need Brad every night to drop 40. Like those points, that that energy that he uses to score all those points could be redistributed defensive intensity. And when you saw that with Brad tonight, he was, he was putting forth the effort. No one's asking Brad to be Tony Allen, but you saw the <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You saw him create for others. And – instead of always going for 40, because that's got to be taxing mentally and physically, and then you get blown if you don't get calls, post-game, everybody's coming to you. All of that is taxing, you know what I'm saying? And I think what a lot of people, fans, reporters, Michael Lee is saying that, yo, instead of always pushing yourself to do that, there's so many different ways that you can help your team win because you are that great of an offensive threat. Yeah, I'm, I'm, hey, man, like, I'm right there with you when, when you say that, you know, that, that Brad, you know, there's more to, you know, basketball than, you know, just how many points per game you score. And I felt like Brad and his camp uh, kind of got caught up into, you know, well, he's scoring this amount of points. Right, right. And that's why he should have been an all-star. And, you know, nobody was ever saying, oh, Brad's leading his team, Brad's, you know, empowering his teammates, Brad's doing like, it was like, oh, Brad's scoring blah, blah, blah amount of points per game the most in NBA history to not make the all-star team, 
this is why he should have been an all-star. And I was right. like, I feel like that only tells part of the story. And so when I, when you have a game like tonight, like it, it, it really kind of completes the story. And, you know, it, it, it really uh, – it's a narrative that I feel like a lot of Wizards fans can get behind. And I think that, you know, his teammates can get behind because, you know, he, he's sharing the wealth. You know, uh, hashtag everybody eats. Like this, this is something. This is a movement that he himself started. And so, like when 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 Brad came down, like I, man, I can't. When, when he came down and he passed that ball to Jerome Robinson, like that 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 was a that was a very pivotal moment for him. And you know, shout out to Jerome Robinson, who uh, you know he he's only been with the team for you know two weeks now, and you know he stepped into that shot with confidence. And you know, for a guy who really didn't shoot the ball all that well, uh, he was only uh, two for seven. Uh, before that last shot, uh, so so he came in like um, and, and and really you know exhibited some confidence that you know that nobody could have known that he had. He didn't he didn't show that uh, when he was with the uh, with the Clippers. And to be frankly, uh, he hasn't shown that in his two weeks with the Wizards. And so like that that was a big moment for Brad to to trust him. And, and I think that it's very poignant. Brad said something in the locker room after the game. He said, well, you know, if, if Scott has them on the floor, then, you know, they're on the floor for a reason, so I'm going to trust them. And so, you know, I think that, like, all of this is a very big step. It, it, it's, it's monumental for, for him and his growth and development as a player. Yeah, and again, when the best player on your team who had his case last year to be an all-NBA player, this year the only guards – who I will put in all NBA as it stands right now over Brad will be obviously Luca Harden and Chris Paul. Um, you know, when that guy is on the fly listening and trusting you, that can only uplift confidence, right? And this season, it's been said on this podcast and and anything else you watch, Rizzo's related, right? The season is about development, right? The chips have all been put placed on the table for next season. So anything that you can do, to ready the troops, to ready the Red Browns, the Jerome Robinsons, the Ishmaels, the Thomas Bryant, you know, the list goes on, the Mo Wagner's. Like, that's going to be imperative if you're going to legit have a run in the Eastern Conference next year. So, yeah, it's a lot to ask of Brad. It's a lot to ask of him from an emotional standpoint because Lord knows my patience. I wouldn't have the patience for it, right? But, yo, you're the best player. You're the guy who's on the marquee. You're the guy who's on the tickets and the, the programs. Again, heavy is the head that wears the crown. And if you are a Wizards fan, the last two games should be something that you can, you know, hopefully build on and pivot toward uh, the the future. Yeah, Armand, man, again, man, like this is how I know you pay attention in pre-production, man, because, you know, this is another perfect segue into <laughs> a topic that I wanted to talk about. When you talk about the, the season being about development, and, you know, putting your tips in the middle for next year and making sure that all of the young players have the proper growth and development this year so they can be contributors for next season, I think that that, that is very important. And there, there's, a, there's a very, very, very peculiar lineup yes, decision that I want to talk about on the other side of this break. And, and I, I want to really dive into this with you because, you know, there, there's something I, I tweeted out earlier how did Troy Brown get out of the rotation? And <laughs> hey, but look, hey, it actually kind of worked out, Scott, was in favor because Jerome Robinson ended up hitting the game-winning shot. But I, I think that I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at the box score right now. I, I think that you know he could go a little bit further if he's switching up the rotation. So I, I'm going to take another quick break, and on the other side of that, we're, we're going we're to talk about 
what we need to see from the Wizards from a developmental standpoint when it comes to their young players. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Armand, we're going we're gonna to finish up strong here, man. I uh, I, I tweeted out, uh, and I think it was about the four-minute mark of the second quarter, so it was right before halftime, and I was like, yo, it's very strange that Troy Brown Jr. hasn't gotten into the game yet. And yeah. so, you know, he, uh, he, he ended up coming in a few possessions later, and he played uh, a couple minutes in the first half, and he played a little bit more minutes in the second half. So he finished the game with uh, 12 minutes, and he played, he played 12 minutes tonight. And so he had seven points on three or four shooting. Uh, he had three rebounds, no turnovers, uh, only one assist. He, he, you know, I, I think that that was uh, a very peculiar decision from Scott Brooks to not play Troy Brown and essentially play Jerome Robinson over him. Uh, what, what did you think about that decision, uh, you know, I know hindsight is twenty twenty, and Jerome Robinson hit the game-winning shot. But, you know, just, just from, from a vacuum standpoint, what did you think about that decision, you know, in the first half as, as it was going along? You know, honestly, um, I'm, you know, as a lot of people do, watch the game, and then you have your, your tablet or whatever the case, or your laptop as a second device. So I'm looking at your tweet. I wasn't really even paying much attention to it. And then I was like, yo, Troy's right, because I saw your tweet, and I was like, yo, where is Troy? And, like, you know, the first time this season I was on the show, I was talking about, yo, Troy Brown's development would be key for this season. And, look, I'm all for competition. You know what I'm saying? Again, like I said earlier, iron sharpens iron. And I think, look, Troy was right outside of the lottery pick. But by all accounts, the team really, really liked Jerome Robinson as well. And there are guys who have size. There are guys who um, people like their defense. So they're going to be head to head, and look, man, this is you know what I'm saying. It's like survival of the fittest, you know. Um, obviously, I think Troy Brown has talent. Um, it's odd to see kind of Wizards Twitter kind of jump off the ship, form little by little as games go on. But um, you know, particularly when Brooklyn went to his zone, I would have loved for Scott Brooks to show a little bit of creativity have some extra, like, length and guys who can create besides Brad. Um, and I wouldn't I wouldn't have mind seeing Troy Brown and Jerome Robinson on the floor at the same time, uh, especially when LaVert started dominating. But I think as it stands right now, having the options is, is never a bad thing from a roster standpoint, from a talent standpoint, but then also for, hey, these guys are going to be going head-to-head to fight for minutes uh, in practice and let the best man win. So it's interesting to see, only because obviously Troy Brown was uh, a high pick, right? But you can look at it as a positive that, look, nothing is guaranteed. you gotta earn, You got to earn your plate. you got to earn your keep. And if that's the mentality that the Wizards as an organization 
will carry forth not just with these two particular players, but from an entire organizational standpoint, again, that's another thing that could be a positive move moving forward. Yeah, I'm with you as far as everybody having to earn their keep. But that's the thing. I think that Troy Brown has earned his keep. Like, <laughs> I think, like, I think, like when you look at, like, hey, like when he every time that he's been given consistent minutes, like minus a game or two, he's been able to perform. Like he's coming out, you know, he's averaging, you know, ten points a game. Like he's shooting a good percentage from the field, a decent percentage from three point range. Like he's literally one of the better rebounders on the team. You know, coming from the the guard position, I, I just don't understand how. Um, you know, with, with, with Scott Brooks, with his rotations, how Troy Brown ends up the odd man out of the rotation. I really just don't understand that, like, especially considering the fact that, you know, he was uh, the first-round draft pick last year, a uh, lottery pick, and, uh, yeah, and, and he, and, like, from, or from two seasons ago. And, you know, like, that, like, that just doesn't make any sense to me. And then so when I'm looking at the, the, the box score and I see, okay, they have they have, Scott Brooks is very dead set intent on having a three man center rotation. Yeah, I, just, I don't understand that. So it's like you have Mahimi. Mahimi played nineteen minutes. Mo Wagner played fourteen minutes. Thomas Bryant played fourteen minutes. It's like okay, I understand that Mahimi is probably the best center defender that they have. But it's like at some point we we gotta we gotta start developing for the future. And you know I love Mahimi. Mahimi is a great guy. But quite as it's kept, he should probably be out of the rotation. Like, this sure. is – we're going into March 1st, and, you know, there's still an 11-man rotation. I mean, I, I would be hard-pressed to find another NBA team that is playing 11 players on an average basis. Like, that, yeah. that, that just at, – at, at this deep in the season, that's like an October rotation where you don't really know, like, what, what, what it is that you have. Like, it just doesn't really make sense for me. Like, I, if, it, if it were me, I would just take Mahimi's minutes out that, that, so that's 19 minutes right there that you can disperse evenly amongst uh, Wagner, uh, Troy Brown, and, uh, you know, uh, Thomas Bryant. And having those young guys, those players who are under 22 years of age, ha- having them the, giving them the opportunity to be able to develop and actually play some basketball, playing next to Brad, and instilling confidence in them and having Brad uh, being able to instill confidence in them. And, it just, I, I just really, I don't understand it, you know. And you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and you know, Scott Brooks, he, he, he can honestly say it. that's why I couldn't, I couldn't really say anything in the press conference about the decision right, because, because it, right. it worked, it worked tonight, it worked tonight, and Jerome Robinson really stepped up and hit that shot. But you know, if Jerome doesn't hit that shot, I mean, you know, I mean, people are going yeah. will be killing Scott Brooks right now for, for, for not playing Troy Brown Jr. Um, his proper amount of minutes. I mean, we could do a whole 20 minutes on Scott Brooks, honestly. Like, like when I look at the Wizards roster and I'm thinking to myself, like, yo, you could, Jai, really get creative with your lineups. Like, tonight, DeAndre Jordan obviously had a monster game. Um, But that doesn't mean that you always have to go big, right? You can can exploit DeAndre Jordan's shortcomings. Like, I would love in certain nights, and, again, if Jerome Robinson is going to show to be a player and – the fact that Brad was so confident, like no hesitation, passed it to him in that moment, speaks to me, at least lets me know that maybe in practice these dudes are seeing like, yo, okay, he could job be a player. But I would have loved to see maybe a Bertans at the five lineup and you put DeAndre Jordan on the perimeter, right? 
and then you go with maybe a Jerome and a Troy, not for a long stretches, but to see what you have because you have the length, you have the athleticism, you can get Beal some space, particularly when when they went to the zone. I thought that the Wizards have opportunities because of the 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 style of play that so many of their players have to be creative. And if you're asking for creativity for Scott Brooks, no disrespect, it just seems like that's just a, a, a too tall of a task. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. Again, Thomas Bryant, or I'm sorry, Troy Brown hasn't necessarily played poorly, uh, despite the criticisms that a lot of people are throwing his way. But again, um, you know, tonight he only played 13 minutes, which is nuts to me. Um, but uh, that's completely that's completely nuts to me. And yeah. you know, it, it, it's one of those situations where it's like I, mean, I really have to evaluate like what what it is that Scott Brooks is. What, what is he trying to accomplish trying to this year? Because it's like okay, if everybody in the organization is talking about how this is a developmental year, then I don't understand how they're just allowing him to not play Troy Brown. Like, it's just like we're talking about last year, and this is the second year in a row. Last year, you know, the guy only played 400 minutes last year as a rookie, which is utterly disrespectful, like, yeah. when, when, you, when you think about it. But to come back and, and you know, to, to, to not play him and to not have the trust in him like he really should this season, it's kind of disheartening. But, again, like I said, I, I can only say much. I can only be so angry because, you know, this is a results-based business, and tonight the result uh, was in their favor, and the Wizards came out with a very big victory. Yeah, man. I mean, again, the 13 minutes is crazy to me, particularly when you look at – when you see how versatile of a player he is, you know what I mean? But we'll see how it, how it plays out for the rest of this season. There should be an onus on getting the young guys minutes to see what you have, what you can rely on next season. Um, and, again – as for tonight, you know, they have a West Coast trip in, coming up. And, you know, Utah is their first game. And then Steph Curry is coming back on Sunday. So they needed tonight's win. And it was fun for the crowd. You know, everybody in Capital One, I'm sure they enjoyed the game. It was fun to watch on television. And hopefully, you know, this is a, a confidence builder for some of those same young guys that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, no, the, the atmosphere was definitely electric. And so, you know, it, it'll be very interesting to see how they fare on that West Coast road trip, I would have loved for them to have, you know, uh, you know, stolen one of those games from the first three coming out of the All-Star break because, you know, I'm looking at that Brooklyn Nets team, and especially in the first half, I'm looking at this team, I'm like, man, this ain't no playoff team without Kyrie nah. Irving. Like, not like, that's not at all. like, not at all. Like, and I know that, the, okay, you can say the Wizards, they got a bad team, and, you know, they haven't been their best. They got the worst defense. This Wizards team is better than that Brooklyn team. And so when you talk about, you know, they haven't put themselves in a position in order to properly compete for a playoff spot. But, I mean, if, 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 they, if they can just, you know, keep themselves in this race, and, you know, and, and I, think, I think they have another game against Brooklyn, and, you know, they put themselves in a position. They've already beat the Nets once this year. They can go ahead and sweep the Nets. You know, that, 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 that playoff window is still open a little bit, even though I will not hold my breath. <laughs> Well, again, we've seen this so many times in the the previous uh, um, era with Ernie, where everybody focuses so much on just attaining that AC brass ring. But when you look at it, we don't know how significant Embiid's injury is going to be. But Philadelphia could be without Joel and Ben for a significant amount of time. The Sixers are not world beaters, particularly when you're not playing them in Philly. We know about. We just talked about Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? 
Indian, Indianapolis is struggling, uh, trying to reincorporate uh, Vic into the lineup. So if they were to go on a run, and, you know, that shouldn't, in my opinion, that shouldn't be the main goal, right? But if that happens in addition to playing well and getting these young guys involved, there's no reason why they can't string some wins together uh, when they get back to playing the Eastern Conference teams. Because the East, outside of the top three seeds, it ain't, you know, it's just not really world beaters over here. It's definitely no world beaters, man. So, you know, I think that tonight was very encouraging, especially, you know, like when you consider, you know, uh, the, the mad Brad narrative that's going around. And for Brad to come out and, you know, empower his teammates and make the correct basketball play and for the, for the team to get a big victory over, over the Nets who were directly in front of them in the standings, you know, I think that this was a, a big moment in, in the growth and development of these young Wizards. So, you know, I, I think that Wizards fans for tonight at least, they can, they can, they can be happy and they can be satisfied. <laughs> For sure, man. You got a you got a hell of a game, Joe. Like you know, you go go home. You know what I'm saying? Pop you a bottle, chill with your old lady, man, and enjoy the night, man. Oh man, game. I'm I'm literally I'm literally I'm literally walking out the door right now, man. But hey, Armand, <laughs> as 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 always, though, man, I want to give you this opportunity to go ahead and plug yourself and plug your work and let the people know where they can find you as, as, on the quarterly report. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. You know, check me out. Whenever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever, the Quarterly Report podcast, man, we talk the NBA. Uh, we have really dope NBA conversations. If you're a boxing fan, we talk real boxing, not the fake boxing talk that you may have gotten this past week. And we talk culture and everything in between, man. So check me out. Again, the Quarterly Report podcast. My guy Troy has been on there several different times. He'll be on there soon enough, you know what I'm talking about? So uh, check me out. Yep, yep, Armand, I greatly appreciate you for coming on, man. It, it, it's a pleasure as always, man. I'm literally about to walk out the door right now. So, this, hey, this, this, I, feel, I feel like this is a, a perfect moment to, to go ahead and end this podcast, man. Thank you again, my brother. Hey, man, anytime, bro. All right. Like Gilbert Arenas, now I'm chilling back, giving advice. I buy my girl shit, it don't matter the price. They see that I'm taking, they try getting pants. Label money, I just tell in advance. I ain't cheating, I'm just trying to dance. She just trying to have me up in the trance. I'm in a strip like fuck it. They just trying to make some buckets. Love when I slap down my ones, but it bounced like a ball when I struck it. So if you ever see a real nigga like me, just let them live and just be how it be. Go to the club with them two and you'll see. With a J, we be on the same team. I want a baller like the whistles. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blowing more than that, girl showing shots for the team. I was in high school dreams, now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean, coach all these girls to a ring. I want a ball, I like the whistles. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blowing more than that, girl showing shots for the team. I was in high school dreams, now I'm almost
walls looking clean. Teaching game like a dean. Coach all these girls to a ring. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.